0: All right, I want to welcome one of my next guests, former NFL linebacker, Ben Lieber. Ben, 2020 really has not gone as planned. How are you managing? Uh,
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on. You know, managing it pretty well. You know, the, the whole thing started off, obviously, as a shock. We didn't know how our lives were going to be altered and changed. And, you know, the biggest thing for my wife and I with three kids that are all in school that, you know, we had to become homeschooling parents, which was challenging and sort of rewarding at the same time. So, um, you know, now that we're done with that and summer's finally here, summer activities are still are starting to pick up a little bit. Kids are getting more active. So, you know, life is getting you know somewhat back to normal outside of wearing you know face masks around uh, to, to various you know grocery stores and stuff like that. I mean, for the most part, we're doing really well.
0: Yeah, I just actually I just came from the grocery store. And I keep seeing all these people. Everybody's wearing a mask, but half the people don't have it covering their nose. Like, You're not doing anything. <laughs> I know, you know. I'm like, what is this? I'm like I, know, I I'm like, I know you want to sniff your produce, but you, come on, you can just pull it up to the mask. But it's, I'm like, I'm like, and the thing, I, wish, I don't wish I know if they're going to have somebody like regulate it, but it's just wild. I just, if I see, I, it, it's a wild. It's wild. Hopefully, the mask, I, I I love what I'm seeing in New Zealand right now. Hopefully, that can be us very, very soon. With them, they have had cases in weeks. They just had a rugby match a couple of days ago. 20,000 fans have a good time. Hopefully, that's us sooner rather than later. But so I want to just ask you a few questions kind of about your early on your football career. So, um, what led to you going to Kansas State?
1: Uh, the this, this short, simple answer is they're the only team that gave a crap about me. Really? <laughs> uh, you know, I had gotten a bunch of recruiting letters, and, you know, it was kind of early in the recruiting process. You know, throughout my whole junior year, during the football season, that whole school year, I was getting lots and lots of letters from across the country. And I even knew at that point in time that, you know, letters are just sort of a formality. They're, they're really nothing personal. I mean, a lot of them are just, you know, stamp signatures and they're just form letters and they just change the name at the top. So um, there's interest, but I didn't really know how much. And towards the, the start of, uh, of the new year, that year you start getting like these camp letters. And I really wanted to go to call university Colorado's camp. I sort of fell in love with that team in the early nineties. And, um, and my brother, having played Division II football, actually played close to there in Greeley. So there was a time where we went through Boulder, and I, I just fell in love with Boulder. I'm like, this is where I want to play college football. And uh, my parents like, listen, you know, we're on a tight budget. You know, we can't really send you to a place that expensive as far as camp goes. Um, could you pick a different one? I'm like, well, well, there's one at Kansas State. It's only five hours down the road. I know nothing about Kansas State. My parents didn't know anything about Kansas State. I really didn't even know if they had a good football team or not. But it was close. Uh, my, a buddy of mine went with me as well. And from that camp, uh, they must have liked what they saw. And they offered a, a scholarship just a few weeks after the camp. And And I just sort of took it. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to go through the whole recruiting process because growing up in South Dakota, um, recruiting was very, very new for all of us. You know, we didn't have a lot of experience with it. And you didn't know how to play the game. And I was afraid that if I went through my senior year and had all these high aspirations of these Division One schools calling me, um, I was fearful that a lot of them would back out at the last moment. So um, I took a scholarship uh, at that point in time, going into my senior year, and I just took it and ran. And I said, "That's it. I'm done."
0: And then, is it true you played uh, mostly running back in school, in high school?
1: In high school, it's mostly a running back. You know. You, you play both ways, but I, I, took, I took defense and linebacker as sort of my, my snaps off. You know, I, I certainly didn't put a lot of focus into even learning much about playing that, that side of the field and that position. So um, I just wanted to conserve
0: my energy, play running back, and, uh, and just run the ball. When they said we want you to play linebacker, was there any hesitation or you were just about ready to go? No, no, I was ready to go. I, you know, the, the
1: funny thing is I knew at the camp, when I was at Kansas State, I went through, I don't know, maybe an hour's worth of drills with the running backs. And I knew right then and there, like, these are just the the camp kids. Like, these, yeah. these weren't even, like, high-end Division One athletes. Like, I knew at that point in time, like, yeah, I, these guys are a lot better than me. You know, they, get, they have better footwork. Um, they understand running the ball better than I do. So um, I knew even then that if they switched me to linebacker, that that was going to be my – the position I was going to have to learn how to play,
0: and that's how I was going to have to earn my scholarship. Was there much of a learning curve adjusting to linebacker, or did you pick it up pretty quickly at the D1 level?
1: Oh, boy, no, there was definitely a learning curve with all of it. Um, you know, there was a learning curve, with just with college. Uh, you know, we didn't really have a high school weight program. You know, I, I lifted weights because I liked it. Uh, I was sort of self-taught, and I just got, kind of hung around certain guys and just kind of picked up on what they did. and but there was never any testing for us as a football team or even as a basketball team or like that. Um, So the whole, the whole thing, you know, the whole thing was a learning curve for me. I I didn't know, you know, our defense, I I think, I think our defense was just called 44 stack and I don't even know if we had coverage responsibilities. You know, I think we just ran to the football and that was it. So I, I had to learn gap assignments and and responsibilities and all that stuff uh, on
0: the fly. Was there anybody there that was, like, a good mentor for you that kind of showed you the ropes a little bit?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, Jeff Kelly was, a, was a, a linebacker that I played with there. Um, you know, outstanding instinct type of guy. You know, I could learn from him. Mark Semino was a very cerebral linebacker. You know, he knew all the ins and outs, um, you know, when it comes to X's and O's and all that stuff. Uh, Travis Oaks um, was a player that was two – was he three years in front of me. And um actually hosted me on my trip. You know, he was a guy that just sort of sort of showed me how to play that specific position. So, you know, there were like, you know, three guys that I could look up to right away. That's awesome.
0: And then, and then at that point were you just focused on college or were you looking at the NFL
1: No, I didn't look at the NFL until probably my junior year. Um, you know, I was just I was just happy to be at Kansas State. I I felt the pressure of just trying to make it. I felt the pressure of just you know, continue to earn my scholarship and, and, you know, sort of self improve every day. And, you know, there's so much to handle with college with when it comes to academics as yeah. well. And, and also trying to enjoy yourself socially. So I was just trying to be in the moment as much as possible. And I didn't think about the NFL until my junior year, until I, you know, I, I saw those upperclassmen that, that I had just mentioned, uh, you know, a couple of them went on to the NFL. Uh, Travis did not go on the NFL. He didn't really feel like putting his body through it because he had a bunch of surgeries. But all three of those guys, um, you know, were getting looked at in the NFL. It's like, man, if, if, I can, if I can play at their level, then the NFL at least is a, a possibility. And so that's when I started to focus and shift my attention to, into going into the draft or, or getting into the NFL somehow, some way.
0: So for for so when you were starting to get on the NFL's radar and when you've got school going on, you got life going on, you got football going on, what was like an average day for you?
1: Uh boy, you know, it was it was probably, you know, a 6.30 wake-up call. Um you, you go in and you get your workout in, you get your lift in, uh, you hit your schoolwork, you know, you're basically on campus until about two o'clock, and then You, uh, you go to the facility and you get ready for practice. You go through practice. Um, You know, we still had three hour practices every day, you know, on the field. Um, You know, we, we, um, we, we had to adhere to the compliance part of it, but you know, those are fudged numbers and everybody knows that, you know, the the guys at Kansas state were on the field a lot longer than, than most. So we put a lot of hours in on the field per week. Um, You'd get done around, let's say six o'clock, you have maybe an hour to go eat and then, so from six to seven, you rush back to the to the dining hall. You eat. You come back for study table from seven o'clock to nine o'clock, and um, you're required to study. And you go back to your apartment or go back to the dorms after that at nine o'clock, wow. and that's kind of free time. So you know it's it's pretty regimented from the time that you wake up to the time that you uh, you go to bed.
0: I have a question. Were you were your junior year? Did you know that okay, I want to get my degree, and then we'll figure out the NFL later? Or how did that go about?
1: Yeah, no that that was something that I I knew I had to achieve was was getting my degree, and you know I think. I think now culturally at least in in within football within sports especially well, I guess I'll just talk about football you know basketball's different yeah. and all that sort of stuff but you know when it comes to football you know to me at the time it was it was sort of taboo to to just leave early and not and to say like oh, I'm just going to go back and get my degree the norm was get your degree and you know hopefully go to the NFL and move on so I wanted to do that as well I come from from a family of education, my dad was my high school principal and, and education was huge to us. so I knew I had to get my degree and and that was the other thing i I went to summer school every every summer. Uh, I never went home really in the summertime other than to visit for a few days or maybe a week at a time. Uh, I was very much on track to have a light schedule in the fall to focus on football and then all the while, you know, on a yearly basis, you know, accrue a bunch of cr- credits and and graduate. And I did. I graduated
0: in four and a half years. That's why. That's awesome. And then, so when the NFL did, they started to come on your radar. What was that kind of process like? The, just how did that was it kind of like a lot for you to handle, or was it just kind of you kind of knew it was coming?
1: Well, you don't really know. I think that's the kind of the crazy part. At least for me, you know, if you're a first round draft pick um, and you're and you're graded that high, obviously, I think. There's a, there's a higher expectation, and maybe just some, some more awareness about what's going on. You know, the, the second that I got done with my with my, my last bowl game, my last collegiate game, I signed my agent contract in the hotel room just a few hours later. So oh, I, wow. went from, I went from amateur amateur athlete into professional athlete in a span of a, a couple hours. And then I immediately was shipped down uh, to Houston, Texas, where my agents were. They had a, a workout facility there that they trusted. So, me and another teammate that signed with the same agency, we, we stayed together for weeks getting ready for the Senior Bowl. Uh, we do the Senior Bowl. Uh, we go back down to Houston to train for the Combine. We did the Combine, and then we came back to Kansas State because uh, we had both graduated and, uh, and just kind of hung out until the draft. And, and so, you know, all those little chunks of time, you just kind of focused on workouts. We have two-day workouts um, that pretty much took up the whole day, and you're so damn tired after every day that you didn't really do much uh, at night. And then we do the senior bowl, which was really intense. And so you're just focused on that and then more workouts. And then you're really hyper focused on the combine. And then you get a little bit of a deep breath into the, into the draft, but it all just, you look back on it it all just sort of just happens so fast. You know, the, the days really flew by and, and all of a sudden you get drafted, which was super exciting. And then I got drafted on a Saturday and I was on an airplane to San Diego on Wednesday. Oh, wow. So it's like, you know, it, in a very short amount of time, you accomplish a lot, and life changes very fast. So uh, it was a really wild time.
0: Did, was San Diego? Were they on? Your, were were you, did you have a good feeling they were looking at you, or is that out of the blue?
1: No. It, well, at the time, it was out of the blue, and I come to find out that that they were coyly staying on the sidelines because they didn't want to tip anybody off that they were, they were looking at me. And I, and I, and I've kind of learned to find out that that's kind of how a lot of these things go when it comes to the draft. Uh, You know, a lot of these teams will will float uh, interest in players to kind of throw people off the scent or whatever. There's a lot of mind games and stuff, but with me um, they liked me. Uh, That was the one of the, one of the few teams that actually worked me out in person at Kansas state for a pro day. So they put me through some live backer drills and they did some stuff like that. So that was the only true mark of interest that I saw when I look back. I'm like, well, they were the only team that really kind of stuck around and like put put more time in on pro day. Uh but there's no contact with my agents. Um a lot of a lot of Chicago Bears talk, you know, there was really the Bears the Bears were really interested and and then the Bears just sort of they traded their pick late in the second round and then all of a sudden I get the phone call from from John Butler out in san diego and it was like whoa! i i no, i had no idea that they were even that interested
0: that's wild and then what was your first impression Have you ever been to san diego before i'd never
1: been to san diego before
0: well, what was your first i heard the weather's great i've never been i heard the weather's great
1: yeah well first of all where where are you located where are you I, i'm in uh baltimore right i live in the dc area okay all right um so I mean you understand like the four seasons and stuff like that and you know I'm in Minneapolis and you know we have much more extreme four seasons but you know I I'd always grown up in the midwest and I was used to that so I I was scared to actually go to southern california cuz I I I had these like you know you, you have these stupid stereotypes in your head and like you, you know you know what you're fed on tv as a kid and what you know people are like in southern california and I'm like Dude, I am not going to get along with these people at all. Like, this is not going to be for me. I was sort of intimidated by it, and I get down there, and much like a lot of stereotypes, they they are just that. They're 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 a little bit ignorant, and and things are, you know, I think um, exaggerated a little bit. And I loved it, man. I the weather is perfect. It's it's 80 degrees and sunny every day. It's awesome. Uh, it's dry. Uh, there's no mosquitoes. Uh, it's it's awesome and, and the people couldn't have been nicer you know we met I met a lot of friends and I still have friends that grew up right in San Diego and you know they're not the they're not the beach going hey dude you know like we're so laid back just smoking weed all the time you know like that's kind of what you think and and they're not they're hard-working people um, so it's it, it's a great community I love it
0: at what point did they give you your first surfboard <laughs>
1: you know i never i never went surfing how about that that's i never wild. i never once went um i'd heard from some other teammates they're like ah you got to be careful man because you can really hurt yourself yeah. out there and, that, and that's all i need to be here um yeah. hold on, hold on one second. One second. not until i got um so no i i was like i'm not going to do anything that's going to jeopardize my health and my career so i stayed away from surfing
0: that's wow! That's incredible. No, yeah, that's that's interesting. And then, and then so your rookie year, did you kind of have to earn your spot, or did you have a good feeling like, okay, I'm one of the best linebackers on the team?
1: No, I I certainly didn't have any personal awareness about where I was on the team. Um, I I definitely feel like I earned my spot. Um, you know, you know, obviously with draft picks, I mean, they they clearly don't love the guy that's in that position, which is why they're drafting yeah. uh, you know any player especially if you look at, you know, fourth round and and higher, you know, those guys are kind of looked at to be immediate contributors and and possibly starters. And so uh, the guy that they had in front of me, I thought was a really good player. Um, He just wasn't their guy that they liked. And, you know, through OTAs and and mini camps, you know, I I was buried on the depth chart and I was kind of slowly working my way up, running with the the number twos uh, all throughout the spring. And then we get into training camp and after, after the rookie camp, and then the veterans checked in. I think the second day of camp with the veterans, um, they moved me to the first team. And oh, cool! I never, uh, I never let go of that position. So, you know, I'd like to think that I earned it. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I didn't talk to Schottenheimer about, you know, the reasons why he just did what he's doing.
0: And then speaking of OTAs and minicamp, uh, what was instrumental about that for you before your rookie season that the guys now, they're not really getting because it's virtual?
1: I think just getting all that newness out of the way, you know, we had, you know, the times are different now. Our, our, our OTAs in minicamp were very intense. You know, we were just in helmets and I understand we weren't in pads, but you know, we still wore, um, you know, the, the skeleton shoulder pads underneath. And, and that's just for personal protection. And obviously you're not supposed to leave with your shoulder and hit anybody, but because of that, you know, we had really combative drills. You know, almost almost 100%. You know, all of our all of our one-on-one drills. I think guys were going to 100%. Uh, you couldn't bull rush anybody, but you could really work on the techniques of things. So you, I I really needed that time to get up to speed. And okay, if this is how quickly does my mind have to process? I've got to learn a new defense in the classroom, and then an hour later, I've got to recognize it and run it in real time, you know, and, and almost as, as as fast as possible and, you know, not quite game-like, but very close to game-like. And with the new rules, you know, those guys even now don't get sort of those looks in, in offseason. Um, and so they're they're really going to miss that acclimation period. And and I feel bad for them because, you know, a lot of these high-end draft picks are going to be expected to go out there on, on opening day and and be immediate contributors. And they're going to be so far behind. And the eight ball that there's gonna be a lot of mistakes made
0: do you think a lot of the guys there's some of the more marquee picks is gonna say I, I know for me like I, I learned by doing so a lot of these guys are doing the virtual they're teaching them if these guys learn by doing there might be a little bit of learning curve and then it might take a little bit to adjust can you anticipate for a lot of these big name draft picks that it's going to take them a little bit longer than anticipated and they get like you were saying they get out there week one week two and they're not really getting it yet everybody's gonna be like oh why did they take him
1: yeah, there's going to be a lot of scrutiny, I think, with the, with some of these guys, and you know, some are going to be more obvious than others. You know, there's going to be receivers out there running the wrong routes, and not being reliable. Um, you might see a, a few quarterbacks at times, you know, throw an interception because you know, with a veteran guy out there, they he'd be he'd be expecting a guy to be in a certain spot. Now with the rookie out there, not up to speed, you know, he doesn't get to that spot or he reads the wrong defense, and it's gonna it's gonna make quarterbacks look bad, um, and they're not going to throw these receivers under the bus, so they're going to have to eat a lot of that. I mean, that, it's, that's going to happen across the board. You know, corners, quarterbacks, receivers, uh, those guys are going to be right front and center, very transparent about the mistakes that they made. You know, offense alignment, that's kind of another one. If you get a rookie left tackle and you put him out there against, you know, a a, vet, a veteran guy, you know, all of a sudden in week one you've got Von Miller or something like that running off the edge, good luck, man. You're going to you, – you potentially could get embarrassed.
0: Yeah. That's wild. And then so your rookie year – I I saw you, so you you played in every game. Was there a lot of distractions in San Diego or were you able to just focus on football?
1: Well, I was able to focus on football. I think that's, that's one of the things I look back in my career that, that I feel, you know, really proud of. And the fact that, you know, there, there can be a lot of distractions in the NFL. Um, You know, I think thankfully for me, you know, I, I found my, I found my wife. We weren't quite married yet, but found my wife in in college and she moved out with me to San Diego. And so We were engaged. Um, I felt like I had a a good foundation for like a home base and I wasn't running the streets. You know, I think a lot of these guys get caught up in not only are you making more money than you've ever seen before, uh, you've got more free time than you've ever had because you don't have to worry about school and all that stuff. And you're an an adult. You can go out and do whatever you want to do. And I, I saw guys in my own draft class that didn't have wives or people to go home to and they just ran the streets and you know that stuff catches up to you. So uh I was I was able to focus um you know so much so that I I think that I was I was really naive to the to the NFL world. And and I think in a large in large part it was it was a good thing that I was so naive.
0: And and then after your rookie season I saw in your second season you got you got hurt. Is that is that correct?
1: No this my second season was just a hot pile of trash. Um, I I didn't I got hurt more my third year, um, and then I, I worked through a what is, what amounted to a broken bone in my foot uh, my whole third year and then into my fourth year and didn't get surgery on it until my uh, December of my fourth year. So uh, no, my second year that was that was the most trying football season I've ever had. Um, they thought that I could take over Junior Seau's spot.
0: That's a, that's and, a, that's a big shoes to fill.
1: And they were they were really wrong about that, <laughs> um, and and so I I had to carry a lot that season, and in a large in a lot of ways I I didn't succeed. You know, um, I, I was still learning the game. You know, Kansas State prepared me for I think the physicality of the game, and prepared me and it gave me a good base of understanding what football is, but it wasn't until I got to the NFL that I had to really, really understand the defense in totality. You know, I got to know what all 10 guys around me are doing. I have to not only know that I have to know what the offense is doing. So mentally I was so far behind and um, you know, and it really, it really caught up to me that second year.
0: And then so how did the the move to Minnesota, how did that come about?
1: You know, kind of like, kind of like my, my deal going to Kansas state, they're really the only team that showed a lot of interest. Oh, really? Um, you know, there were other teams that the Oakland Raiders were, they were uh, showing interest, same, same with the Tennessee Titans. And it just came down to a bidding war. Uh, you know, Tennessee and Oakland didn't want to match the offer that Minnesota had put out there. And so they're like, we really like him as a player. This is how we can, we want to use him. Um, but we don't want to pay that much money. So, um I took the best offer on the table it got me closer to home uh, to where my parents are in South Dakota. And so it was kind of a win-win.
0: That's awesome. And then was there any adjustment period coming there or were you, were able to kind of fit right in easily?
1: No, I felt like I was able to fit right in. You know, they, they looked at me as um, you know, not only a a player on the field, but also a guy in the locker room, you know, they were, they were just coming off the boat scandal, the love boat scandal. And, uh, and their new GM, Uh, Which is the reason I was there. Fran Foley came from San Diego, and so I was one of his guys. And he was like, "Look, we got to clean up the image of of this team. We got to bring in some guys that are going to do community work. We got to bring in guys that are just going to be, you know, the fans can kind of feel proud of." And so, you know, I felt that responsibility of like, "All right, you know, I've not only got to bring it on the field, but I got to be a good uh, a good ambassador for the team off the field."
0: Absolutely. And then I have a question. So, what was your first impression of Adrian Peterson?
1: Uh, superhuman. (laughs) Um, you know, he, there's something about his genetic makeup that, um, you know, he has like zero body fat. So, you know, you, you want to, you look at him from just a physical specimen when he takes his shirt off and you're just like, God damn, like I'd never seen muscles and you know, that defined before and there's something about the way he's built. It's a, he's like a tank, you know, it's like, it's like his skin and his outer shell is like, it's like tough, you know, and there, there's like an armor to his, to his body. Um, and then he's just got this relentless work ethic, you know, he, he'll run for 200 yards on a Sunday and then be out there Monday or a Wednesday, you know, Going a hundred miles an hour around the corner, you know, running to the end zone, you know he just he just never stopped, and so um you know fantastic football player, yeah
0: you're not surprised he's still going now
1: no, I'm not surprised you know he's he's one of these guys that just has a, has an engine, he's got a motor, he's got desire, and you know he he set his sights out early on that he wouldn't be the best running back of all time, yep. and you know he's he's on his way there
0: absolutely, absolutely, and then so um so then after your time in minnesota you you spent some time with the rams was that what was that like
1: uh it was awful um you know that was going into year 10 and i i really wanted to squeeze out that that 10th year i wanted to get a double digits that that had become a goal of mine once i got into like year five and six i'm like i can i can do this for another couple of years to make it to year 10 sorry about the phone um and uh and so I really wanted to get that 10th year in. And, you know, Minnesota was always kind of there. Uh, that was our lockout season. So we had a weird off season where we, it was hard to go and, and visit teams and all that other stuff. And so I got caught up into that, into that machine of, of, um, the, of a lockout period. And so I got the phone call uh, about a week, a week and change into training camp that they wanted to bring me in. And, and I was like, listen, it, it seems like a good fit. Stan Bradford was just coming off a ridiculous first year there. And, uh, it seemed like a team that was on the rise. And so I took a chance and, and didn't work out for me. <laughs> uh, it's really hard to learn a brand new defense, uh, in the middle of training camp. Yep. And, and, and I was also kind of banged up at the time,
0: you know, health wise. So it was a, uh, it was a trying year. So did you, did you kind of know like, our oh, this might, I'm ready to kind of hang it up? A little- yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. I, I knew that. And, and, um, that that year really made me question like my love for for the game, and there was so many aspects of the game that I that I I did love. I loved a lot of the, about the game, and then that year I really had to question like, man, do I really want to do this? And it's funny because people say, you know, you you, you have the ability to make let's say a million dollars as as a veteran as a minimum, and they're like, you couldn't do this for a million dollars, and you're like, man, when you've been doing it for ten years and your body is screaming at you and your knee is throbbing so bad that you can't sleep at night. Like all of a sudden now that that million dollars, uh, or that paycheck, um, it means something, you know, it means something a little different than it used to. So I knew at that point in time, I, I didn't have the emotional uh, capacity and the mental
0: capacity to do it anymore. Did you, did you have any idea that you wanted to get into broadcasting then? Uh, a little bit, a little bit, you know, I'd always,
1: Enjoyed, I think, being in being friends with the media and um, seeing how they can help out players and just kind of what their role was and it's not the big ugly media that I think a lot of people like to paint yeah. the picture and the fact that you can have fun with it. Yeah. I really wanted to stay close to the game. I, I I enjoy the game. I like I like analyzing the game and breaking down the game and I love analyzing players and and I there's a part of me that wanted to go into front office stuff or coaching, but I also know those guys. You know, they they work long, long hours. Um, you know, family and family time is still very important to me, and so trying to find that work-life balance, I thought the media would provide
0: um, everything I'm looking for. And then, how did you find the gig you're in now?
1: Well, it's I mean, it's been it's a, it's a different road, I guess, for everybody, and mine is no different. Um, you know, I because of because of who I am as a football player. You know I was never a marquee player uh, I was never a household name. you know I sniffed uh, a pro Bowl ballot once only to become an alternate uh which I really think in this day and age with the way alternates work, I probably would have played at least in one pro Bowl
0: um,
1: but but the point is like I knew where I, I knew where I was in the hierarchy of of NFL names and and so my path was not going to be easy. Like, oh, we're just going to give you an analyst job on the desk, and we'll run, we'll fly in every week, and we're just going to have you, you know, as one of our talking heads for whatever network. Um, that works for other guys. Uh, for me, you know, I I sought out some advice from an agent, and we had a very open, candid talk about everything I just said, and and she told me, listen, for guys like you, color commentary is like the thing that you should try to push yourself towards. And she said, it's, it's a really hard craft to get into. And a lot of guys don't want to do it because it requires a lot of work. And I said, well, I'm willing to put in that work. Let's do it. And so uh, I got in with Fox. Uh, they've been awesome. Uh, I worked my way up from high school, calling high school football games um, into conference USA. And, and now, you know, into the, power five conferences and, and all, and all the while, you know, Never, ever forgetting about and not wanting to, to, to get away from the Vikings and, and all that stuff. So, you know, stayed in constant contact with them. Uh, I got gigs on the radio station, on the flagship. Um, I started proving my worth there as, as, a, as, a, as a football guy. And now it's just kind of morphed into bigger and better opportunities. And now I'm, you know, the, the radio sideline reporter for the team. Awesome. Uh, I can contribute regularly on, on the flagship during the, during the week throughout the whole year and uh, And still able to do college football stuff
0: that's awesome and I, and I was reading so I was reading the other day that you you had an idea before it happened that Diggs had played his last down in minnesota How, how did you come about? How did you know that
1: Well, I mean, I think it's just one of those things that I, I i honestly I didn't think it was that uh that hard to see. I thought it was a pretty open and obvious thing to uh to decipher that you've got a guy that that was clearly unhappy and he he's his voice is getting louder and louder They're knowing the personalities of the coaches and how they want this locker room to run. Obviously they, they want solidarity. They don't want on any one side of the ball to be, to be torn in half, uh, to there to be alliances with this guy or this guy. And, um, and I thought, listen, they're not going to get, they're not going to get rid of Kirk. They're not going to get rid of this coach, you know? So the only piece that they can move, if they can find right, the right value is to get digs out of there. And, um, make him happy, you know, hopefully get a good deal on, on the back side of it. And they did. They found a, a tremendous deal out of, out of Buffalo.
0: And what do, you, what do you think of this year's draft class?
1: I thought it was outstanding. You know, um, you know I think a lot of national reporters and, and networks said the same thing, that you look, at, you look at what it is on paper, and obviously everybody knows that, you know, it's, it's a three- to four-year you know, study on how these guys are going to do as far as grading draft classes. But, you know, for right now, I think, you know, I, I had liked Jeff Gladney from the very beginning. Um, he's one of the corners that I targeted anyway when I was just doing my own research that, hey, here's a guy that fits the mold mentality-wise, um, the way he can he can play what I think this, this – it's a tricky cover four scheme that Mike Zimmer has. I thought he had the f- – footwork and the tenacity that he's looking for and and so they took him and then all of a sudden you know because of the digs deal uh they get justin jefferson i couldn't believe he
0: was there i couldn't believe he was uh,
1: and and that's what everybody's talking about is um you know this guy's a, a phenomenal talent that really should have been probably in the top you know 15 and uh he drops down to 22 and so you know looking at those two guys right there it's a super successful first round um and then, and then you get Lynch out of Baylor, who I think is going to be a great three technique. Um, you get DJ Wanham, who's, who hopefully can be another pass rushing specialist for us. Um, there's, there's guys all the way down the list that like, you're like, okay, that guy was really good in college. That guy's super, you know, he's going he's gonna to contribute Harrison Hand out of Temple. Who, who really knows about this guy? Help help a football player. Like, it's like they have the recipe for,
0: for a great draft class. Yeah, that's that's the Redskins. That's their model. They're like, wait a minute, he went to Alabama. Alabama's good, right? Okay, we're taking him, 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 and him. So yeah, that's it's it's wild. And then uh, one last question. So I know you you're very involved in the community. So is that something that you've always wanted to do through while throughout your career and post? Yeah, you know, that was that's one thing I think has
1: always has kind of been there. You know, at Kansas State, much like every other team, you know, they they have community outreach programs and we're we're, you know, encouraged to go out and get in the community. And so we did that as a team. We did that as, as individuals at Kansas state. And you see how easily, and it's kind of silly that, you know, we're, we're, we're put on this pedestal for foot as being a football player. And it's like kind of wild to think about, but you know, you, you support one initiative and all of a sudden like people are like, Oh yeah, that's, that's great. We like, that's been there for 10 years. We didn't really know about it until this one, one person that played football, talked about it. And you're like, wow, we actually have this power to like kind of influence and, and do some good. So, um, That's always been very important to me. And uh, I continue to do that with our community Tuesdays that we had in Minnesota. Uh, Did that in San Diego, visiting uh, the Children's Hospital down down there. And now I'm doing exclusive work with St. Jude.
0: That's, that's awesome. That's so, that's a so great. I think it's the best. I think it's the best thing. Like the impact you can do off the field, I think, is more important than anything you can do on the field. Like, just make just, just seeing like a kid, the kids light up when you walk in the room. Like you, you can't you can't beat that. It's. I know
1: it, it is. It is kind of wild. You walk into a, a hospital room and you're wearing a your jersey, and you know the kids have they have no idea who you are. I know, and they do, and they don't even really care. You know, they just to them it's like, you know, I, I know this sounds kind of crazy to say, but to them it's almost like you're a superhero. Yep, 100%. And, and, I would say the same thing if, uh, you know, a fireman walked in with all of his gear, you'd be like, wow, like, is that like a, a real is that a real person like that's yeah. like a superhero type of person. So, you know, that's kind of even though we're not saving lives, I think that uh, kids still kind of in a wild way look up to us like that.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has been this has been awesome. Thank you so much for Jen for coming. Um for people that don't already follow you on social media, how can they find you? Uh,
1: well, my website's just benlieber.com. Uh, you can reach out to me if you want to do uh, do any speaking engagements, things like that. Uh, on Twitter, it's Nacho Lieber. Uh, and then Instagram, it's benlieberofficial.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, well, this has been so much fun. I'm glad everybody's doing well. This has been great. Thank you so much for chatting for a few minutes. All right. Thank you.